Good morning once again. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited that we're going to have a uh, four-part series now throughout Advent called Hometowns. And with each sermon, the, in, the intention is, is to st- start in a town and get to know a town a little bit and move through to the next town. So here on this Sunday, we're in a temple in Jerusalem. Next Sunday, we're going to be in Nazareth. Actually, we're going to be in the hill country with Elizabeth. So we've got a, we've got a little journey to take, a little geographical journey to take um, throughout Advent. And I think it'll be, um, it'll be life-giving for all of us to see where we end up. Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If anything is said in this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said in this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe and believing obey. Amen. What are you spending your life on? What are you spending your life on? Is this life that you're spending even now? spending minutes is this finite life somehow connected to the infinite to the great story of course it is one of the privileges of my life and how I spend it is that I get to help people to see that you know, and I get to write about it. At weddings, I get to write about how a couple's relationship is connected to the, the story of God's great love. And at the time of death, I write about a life and how God was working in and through it. Craig died way too soon. He was in his mid-60s when cancer took him and took him away from his wife and his two adult children. And I went to his wife's home after he died. And, and I had a meeting with them, as you tend to do, to go over the preparations and to listen to the stories. And these moments with families, they're very intimate. Maybe you've had a moment like this with a pastor before. And, and, and they can draw out You get very close to the mystical in these meetings. And we tiptoe as church professionals into these little wrinkles in time. We're onlookers mostly. But at the same time, we are subtle scripters of this family vignette. We help them to rehearse some of the most beautiful scenes of endearment and frustration, thanksgiving and loss. Our calling then is to draw out the connection between the finite life past 
and the infinite life promised. And at least for that day, in that home, we were focused on Craig's life. But then, just as we finished our chat, the most amazing storm kicked up outside. Safe inside, we watched the trees bend and the windows shake. The raindrops fell sideways and splashed against the glass. Dad always loved a good storm. His daughter laughed and smiled, and the lights flickered in the house. And his wife started thinking about candles and flashlights, and the wind picked up again. And if we listened closely enough between the gusts, we might have heard the trees snapping and cracking just outside. It was almost as if we got too close that afternoon as we tried to connect the finite story of Craig with the infinite life he had stepped into. Too close to the mystery, too close to the presence of God. Isn't there such a thing? As if that wasn't the point, right? To get very, very close. One has to wonder if this is how Zechariah felt when the angel Gabriel cozied up to him in the temple as he lights the incense today. Was that moment more than he bargained for? Was he just a bit too close to the presence of God? But we're getting ahead of ourselves. It took a long time for Zechariah to find himself so close to the Holy of Holies, so perhaps we should spend at least a minute or two to get there ourselves. Zechariah was one priest in something like 18,000 in Israel at that time. And each of those 18,000 were broken out into 24 groups. As such, each group was assigned to administer the duties of the temple for roughly two weeks a year. Since only about five of the priests were needed for the work, the priests of each division drew lots. And as we learn in verse 9, they do this to see which of the priests would make the journey to Jerusalem. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, if that. And each priest leaned forward with great anticipation when the names were shuffled and drawn. And until that day, Zechariah was just an ordinary priest. He was a cog in the system of sorts. Like the other priests, he studied a lot. He helped to collect and manage the tithes. He contributed to his fair share to superintending the vast amount of temple administrivia. And I sort of wonder if Zechariah had his own cubicle and ID badge. He and his wife Elizabeth were long past the age of having children. And so he had shaped his life around his work, clocking in and out each day. All of this made his selection to serve the temple in Jerusalem at the altar of incense that much sweeter. And we can see him there stepping up to his task, taking his place at the altar 
as close to the Holy of Holies as anyone was allowed to get. Lighting the incense and getting that first whiff of that hallowed smell and watching the tiny streams of smoke rise into the air, a symbol of the prayers of the people ascending to the very face of God. He closes his eyes and he takes a deep breath. He had spent his whole life chasing that scent. But now, like the great thunderstorm that had interrupted our transcendent conversation around Craig, the angel Gabriel arrives and Zachariah blinks his eyes and he holds his chest and he wonders if he's managed to get just a little too close to the presence of God. Is this what he spent his whole life on? Is this what he meant to spend his whole life on? And just as importantly, why must he ask himself that question? See, now that he is asking that question of himself, we have little choice but to ask the same question of ourselves. What are we spending our lives on? Because Zachariah, we are quite like you. We spend our lives in a mishmash of the trivial in hopes that someday we can look back and see that at the end of it all, we have strung together something significant, right? We muse about how one day they will have a church service. They will call it a celebration of life, like the one we had for Craig, and at that time there will be a great story to tell about some great accomplishment made. Some preacher will offer some array of great words that will somehow assure all in attendance that ours was a life well spent. Maybe they can say that we pursued not the altar of incense like you, Zachariah, but pursued something we could own or some great sight for people to see. Maybe they can say that we chased not some scent like you, Zachariah, but a contribution to a project or chased a position of esteem. But whatever said, we hope that everyone will agree that the things that we spend our lives on, the thing that I spent my life on, was significant. Are they significant, these things that we're spending our lives on? Trivial or significant? For man to be able to live, Tolstoy said, he must have such an explanation of the meaning of life as will connect the finite with the infinite. which is exactly what Gabriel does for Zechariah. We all need Gabriels in our lives that help us to see that the things that maybe seem trivial 
connect down with intention and love to the infinite, the significant. See, by meeting him at the altar, Gabriel honors all of the work that Zechariah has done in getting there, but he doesn't just leave it there as if to glorify Zechariah for being a good priest. Instead, by sharing the news that he will have a son and that son will be important to the rescuing of the world, Gabriel connects Zechariah's finite efforts to the plan that God has for the world. For him, the angel gives the finite real meaning because through it, the angel gives Zechariah infinite purpose. That's the difference between Zechariah and the most of us. See, if Zechariah had to stop right there in the temple, right there in that temple, in that city called Jerusalem, if he had to stop right there in the temple of Jerusalem and ask himself, if he had to stop right there in the temple of Jerusalem and ask himself, that thing that I was chasing my whole life, that scent, was it worth it? He could say yes. I spent my life on something because that thing that I was chasing brought him closer to an infinite purpose. It brought him closer to love. It brought him closer to God. Can we say the same? If not, if not, if this has been a tough question to hear, what are we spending our lives on? This is a good time to think about it. What would you do then? To hear your infinite purpose, to get connected to the great story. What would you do to get that close to love, to get that close to what God wants you to be doing with your life? How long would you spend? Would you spend your whole life? with the minutes you have? I mean, consider this, see that day on that, that rainstorm, I, I casually gathered my things and assured the family that the service would be beautiful and I dashed out into the rain and I tossed my notebook into the passenger seat of my truck and then I shook the rain out of my hair, all my hair, and, and I looked into the rear view mirror and I thought, how fortunate I was to have a four wheel drive. It might even be fun to splash through the puddles on the way home. And it would have been, if not, for the massive tree blown over and blocking the road not a quarter of a mile from Craig's wife's house. And I put my truck in park. My wiper shot back and forth across the windshield. And I bit my bottom lip and I remembered her road is one way in and one way out. And I wasn't going anywhere. And right then, parked behind that fallen tree, I did what any smart man would do. I called my wife and asked her what I should do. <laughs> she answered the phone quickly before I could tell her the problem that I was stuck. Ever been stuck with this kind of question, what should I do? And she, and she said, hey, Sweetie, dinner's ready. When are you going to be home? You almost here? And I said, well, honestly, it's not that I won't get there, but I got to figure out how I'm going to get there. And she said, just be careful. 
and get home safely. And I was not careful because seeing you had to be there for the hour or so that followed, you would have seen an absolute and epic display of machismo, one that featured yours truly wielding a razor sharp chainsaw borrowed from Craig's garage, slaying branches and wood from over my head and beneath my feet. And I know some of you are not believing this part of the story, but it's absolutely true. I cleared that tree and went on to the next, another huge timber strewn across the road 50 feet away. I'm not sure how long the whole job took, but how long would I have spent? Well, my whole life, right? I would have spent my whole life if that's what it took. And you would too. Any other time, the menial task of clearing a tree would have been little more than a nuisance. This is a simple illustration. See, this time, though, it was different. It was a, it was a finite task that was meant to bring me closer to the ones that I love infinitely and that love me in return. And any second spent on it was quite worth it. So how long would you spend to spend your life in the way Zechariah ended up spending it? What are you spending your life on? If ever there was a time to consider the question, it's now at this time of Advent arrival that we've somehow turned into a time of of Christmas chasing. May this be a season when you really consider the things that you're spending your life on. And as you do, may you find your days filled with the kind of simple work that brings you closer to the God you love and that loves you in return. And then may you hear a voice, even the voice of an angel that says, do not fear, God is using your life, even your life, to bring something infinitely good into this world. And all God's children said, Amen.